This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Mom, Jake is saying bad ideas. Hello, I'm Jake, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take plays, films, and more that have never been staged before, or are never likely to be staged again, and we talk about how we'd stage them. As always, I'm joined by Caleb. Uh, $150 million, I'm in. <laughs> Did it again. Yeah. Smashed it. Right, yeah. <laughs> so this is this is actually take two of the podcast, because we <laughs> it was so messy the first time that we decided to start again. You don't to tell them that <laughs> is this the first time we've ever done a take two it is this is the first time we've done a take two but no it was mainly because caleb's uh caleb's computer broke but um it's fixed now so it's all fine and uh the first time caleb tried to riff a heisty thing to say <laughs> and he could not come up with anything and this time he went straight for the last thing he said which still doesn't work <laughs> um, so that's that's the explanation for why he just said that um, the other thing we should explain is that we are joined by a writer, actor, filmmaker, and host of our very own Do Try This at Home podcast. It's Harrison Gale. Hello. I'm I'm quite thrilled to be here. It's been a long time coming. It has. We've been planning to do this for months and months. And <laughs> we we're really only have. just getting around to it. But we finally <laughs> made it happen. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm quite, and even quite then, happy to be here. My, my computer couldn't hack the fact that we'd finally got around to doing it. But, no, but we couldn't we're... believe it, and it <laughs> yeah. was uh, <laughs> yeah, how, how, do, how does it feel? How does it feel to be on the Maybe You Like It podcast? <laughs> Absolutely exhilarating. I, I'm realizing that this is a crossover episode between the two Maybe You Like It produced podcasts. So in a way, it does feel like we're writing history today. Very yeah. much so. Well, I didn't tell you this before, Harrison, but the whole of the first season of Do Try This at Home was just training. Yes, <laughs> and now the training like, wheels are off, and I'm finally trained in the ways of podcasting uh, yeah. <laughs> well enough that I won't be a total embarrassment <laughs> on the Maybe You Like It podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> the other way that this is a, a piece of history for us is that I believe this is our longest distance podcasting experience wow. so far because harrison you're out all the way in puerto rico yeah i'm here in puerto rico with with my folks i'm i'm hunkering down here until uh y'all get that variant sorted over there in the uk so <laughs> let me know <laughs> my parents are vaccinated and and my fa- my my aunt's vaccinated so uh at least i know when i when i come back they'll they'll be safe and sound yeah, no, no COVID for them. No, sir. That's exactly what their immune system is going to say <laughs> no, when that virus shows up. Be yeah, like, no, yeah. get out of here. Anyway. Speaking of hammy lines and hammy things, oh. Harrison, this, hammy this things. week you've, you've brought us a film to stage, um, which is called Ocean's 12. 
Yeah, yeah. Steven Soderbergh's 2004 masterpiece. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're doing Ocean's Twelve. I, I, um, it's uh, you know, it's it's a heist film. It's George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon. Soderbergh, you son of a gun, you've done it again. <laughs> He's done it again. He He's did done it. it again. He's already done it, but then he did it again. It's the it's the middle of the uh, Ocean's trilogy. Um, and it is uh, widely uh, seen as the weakest, but that is not how <laughs> Harrison and I feel about it. Uh, Harrison, why don't you give us a rundown of the the plot, a, a brief summary, if you will. Sure. So Ocean's 12, uh, which incidentally is also Steven Soderbergh's personal favorite of the trilogy, um, <laughs> is... Uh, as as you all know, the sequel to uh, the hit heist film Ocean's Eleven, which is itself a remake of the film of the same name, which I thought wasn't very good. And I think it's one of the few amazing remakes that a remake has improved a film. At any rate, without inserting too much more of my own personal opinion about it, Ocean's Twelve uh, features the Ocean Gang... Not what they're called, but I call them that. Uh, back at it again, being forced to perpetrate a second heist after the first guy they stole from, casino owner Terry Benedict, comes after them and forces them to give back all of the money that they stole, plus interest, or he will kill them all. Uh, so they are really between a rock and a hard place here. Uh, so they go to Amsterdam to ostensibly perpetrate this second heist, which clearly is not going the way that they planned. Meanwhile, uh, Rusty Ryan, uh, played by the amazing Brad Pitt, uh, is being hunted down, essentially, by Europol. <laughs> that sounds so funny every time I say it. It's basically supposed to be Interpol without being Interpol. <laughs> Europol detective Isabel Lahiri, who's uh, played by the exquisite Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, and they are also former Flames. So she's on to him. But the, it turns out that the Ocean's Gang is also in a uh, uh, in in a race to beat the another world famous cat burglar known as the Night Fox, uh, played by uh, Vincent Cassel, and uh, eventually there's this this whole plot uh, that doesn't work <laughs> that forces uh danny and the gang to enlist uh his wife tess uh played by julia roberts to pretend to be julia roberts in order to steal a faberge egg um which is this this he's in they're in a race to steal this faberge egg against the night fox so of course that doesn't work because they find out that this woman who's claiming to be Julia Roberts is not Julia Roberts at all. Even though she is. They all wind up <laughs> in jail, but they're broken out of jail because Matt Damon, <laughs> personally Matt Damon, of course, yeah. um, because uh, Matt Damon's character, uh, Linus Caldwell, uh, is essentially bailed out by his mom. <laughs> Um, who is who, also famous I'm not sure if con she, artist, right? Her, yeah. Her, um, his parents are both con artists. Yeah. Um, who's also, yeah, his parents are both con artists. So she, posing as a government official, um, bails them all out of prison. Uh, and it turns out that the heist that Danny and the gang were trying to uh, pull off the whole time wasn't even really the heist. Um, <laughs> it, it turns out 
that, uh, well, so the Night Fox is motivated by this. It, you're, I'm making it sound like it's a bad movie, but it's actually really good. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a bad movie. <laughs> the Night Fox is motivated to prove to the world that he is the superior burglar. Yeah. Which was, which is, uh, a motivation that is tipped off by, um, this other world famous burglar, Lemarque, um, who, uh, basically, says without saying it that uh, Danny and his gang are the best heistmen of all time. The Night Fox is offended, um, so he basically forces them to compete with him to prove who's the better burglar. Uh, but the Ocean Gang got in contact with Lamarck, so Lamarck helped them win the game before the Night Fox even knew that uh, the Fabergé egg had been replaced by a fake one. So the Night Fox stole a fake egg. I'm not explaining it well, but this is why <laughs> I didn't want to go into detail because the more, the, it's like, um, what's a, it's, it's like a, like a house of cards. It, it's beautiful and it's arranged in a very delicate way. And as soon as you blow on it, it just, completely collapses. So don't do that with this film. Uh, then, of course, at the very end, uh, we learn that Isabella Heary's uh, supposedly late father is actually Lamarck, and they're finally reunited, and the whole gang gets away with everything. They repay their money to Terry Benedict because... The Night Fox has lost his yeah. bet with them, and now he has to pay off their debt. And then everybody hangs out and plays poker and drinks whiskey at the end. It's awesome. And that's awesome. the most important part of the film. <laughs> so that's what happens in the movie. <laughs> that is truly the most important part of the film, where I get to see all of these uh, beautiful, talented celebrities hanging out together. The end. I have one thing to say. Okay, you get one thing, Jake. And that thing is, <laughs> Europol is real, you guys. Don't, don't bash what? Europol. Is it not just Interpol? What? Is it no, real? It's a real thing. I thought well, it was. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh no, they're gonna come after me. That is funny. <laughs> no, because Europol, Europol is, is like when, when all the countries share information, but Europol is when just the European countries share information. It's just for Europe. Ah, wow, okay. that's so clicky of them. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought. I. It also, it sounds so made up. Anything. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. Anything with the the prefix Euro instantly sounds fake yes. to me yeah absolutely euro anything euro currency and especially yeah <laughs> especially eurozone yeah. what is that it's just not real it's made up um it's just got not political real. early guys anyway so now you can when you go back and edit this you can correct me saying um interpol detective as interpol detective <laughs> Oh, I did it a long did it again. Right. Who cares? Europol. Cut all this. Um, yeah, <laughs> Cut all no, this. I, Ocean's Twelve. It is that thing you like. You're saying, Harrison. Like you're explaining the plot, and it sounds bad. But like you kind of have to say, like, no, no, no. But it is good. Like it, it's this weird thing. Yeah, you got to trust. Yeah, us on where this. like Steven Soderbergh directing. He's like got this huge, like essentially a blockbuster full of like the biggest name stars of the time. And he's balancing like 15 principal characters because you've got like the gang and then all the people around the gang as well. And at the like whilst doing that, he's doing this incredible like blend of like genres and more specifically styles. He's like swapping between shooting on film and digital. He's using loads of different types of color grading or depending on the scene and the moment. He uses different ways of uh, giving 
us information of showing us and like almost never telling us the information that we need to see on screen. Um, and it's just this crazy, almost like an experimental film. In fact, that, that's how I've heard it described on uh, the Total Reboot podcast, which is shout out to them. They're a great podcast. And they describe it as like an ex- experimental film <laughs> that somehow <laughs> has got through the studio system and is this like huge blockbuster. Yeah. It's just it's just wrong. It's just not it's not like, we're not gonna have this All fight right. again. All right. We had it the first time. Yeah, we we're not this. doing but that it, again. But it's, this it, it's I just I wholly disagree. <laughs> it's not good. That's fair. A lot of people agree with you. <laughs> the point the point I'm making is it is this like huge mash of genres and styles and all yes uh, and, and some of that feels like a that. skewering of those styles and those genres and then some of it is like this but it, it, overall it's like this just a real fun time and the point is that we're just meant to have fun with all of these different things that Soderbergh all these different tools he has at his disposal. Right. Uh, whether you have fun with those or not is up to you. But... <laughs> right. So That's a, an individual <laughs> choice you have to make. Yes, exactly. It is your personal um, fault that you didn't enjoy this <laughs> let's get Let's get to staging it. Anyway, um, yes. Let's get to staging it. Does anyone have any big ideas to start us off? So my, my big picture vision for this is going by way of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark or, like, almost Cirque du Soleil, like, big big theater, action theater approach. We're using the whole space. We're using wires. We're using a light show, projections, screens, uh, you know, actors in the aisles, the whole bit. It's not confined to the stage. It's all over the place. It's a, it's a spectacle. Um, going down to the essence it's, it's of just, it's in a field. Is it no one? There's no audience. They're just they yeah, just go honestly, and do it. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, do, do it like that. I don't. I, whatever. Like just the, 360 the surround Europe sound experience. The <laughs> yeah, the the whole uh, thing is a stage. Um, all, all the world's a stage. To be fair, all the world's like, a stage, yeah, and yeah. Uh, the men and women are merely Brad Pitt and Catherine Zeta Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. You were just just stringing us along, and we're like, "When's she gonna subvert it?" Oh, then. <laughs> yeah, and then. Sorry, I, you know, I had to do it to you. Yeah, I. I mean, my my thinking was almost the ex- exact opposite of that. Um, which was uh, doing this entirely told from Catherine Zeta-Jones' perspective, as in her character, not not her discussing like mm-hmm. the making of the film. And it's a, a one-woman show in which her character is like <laughs> describing the events of <laughs> Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> you just strip back. It's just like her, like Fleabag. It's just like her yes, and a bar yeah. stool, and, then and just she describing does all of the characters, all of the crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was my my vision for this, but. I mean, I, I love action theater. Um, As we all you know. do. I know I know the three of <laughs> us do all, do all love action theater. We have a special place for action theater in our heart. <laughs> <laughs> Saying it more doesn't make it make more sense. Anyway, <laughs> I... Okay, here's my idea. Okay. That I've just come up with. <laughs> the only good scene in this film... Yes. ...is the one where the thief is doing 
a dance in some lasers. It's like and it's not a dance. Yeah. He's like he's doing the classic thing of like bending around the lasers, but it's like it's highly choreographed in the sense that like he doesn't even look at where the lasers are. He just does a dance, yeah. and then he just he's knows. Yeah. I'll um, say it again: you're you're right for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is the best <laughs> like, scene. You're correct, but it, it's good. <laughs> it, it's the best scene in this film. Um, it's two. It's two minutes. Two minutes of this film is just that dance. Yeah. And so, I think when we put it on stage, we should just do a ballet with lasers. I'm into it. I haven't thought much past that. Okay. (laughs) basically, we do the plot, but we do it as a ballet and there are lasers. And the ballet is bending around the lasers. (laughs) Here's a... a, I I love this idea of ballet. Here's Here's an entirely organic thought. Um, w- what if so th- this <laughs> listeners, film- listeners we, are, we are still yet to get to the part where we stop the first time yeah so, so we're we recreating we're recreating the discussion we had because we quite liked where we got to yeah no, this is just there. a reenactment this is a dramatization um, of a real conversation but before I get to my entirely organic thought Harrison I, I'm hesitant to call this a, a parody or a satire what word would you use to describe what this film actually is well um Totally off the top of my head, um, <laughs> I I would describe this film not as a parody, which um, usually intends to mock, but rather a pastiche, which, like a parody, can be um, a piecing together of various genres or drawing off a particular genre. Clearly here, it's drawing off of action films and heist films and has that... Um, slick spirit and attitude of like spy films and heist films from the 60s uh but it's done as a pastiche in a celebratory way that it is done very lovingly um which yeah. i think i think makes it kind of peculiar and i think especially with 12 because it is the least uh universally liked of the three that i think a lot of people see it as a failed parody which is is totally valid for them to interpret interpret it that way i personally interpret it as a pastiche that it is very loving and celebrating like the the silliness of the action and stylization in these kinds of films so that's a spirit i would love to bring to the stage with it yeah I think the best parodies can be a celebration, like things like Hot Fuzz, where it is it's parodying these sort of like buddy cop, uh, you know, of of the like seventies and eighties. But it is like uh, it, it is in celebration of of how fun those are as well. Yeah, taking this concept of pastiche, why not find a way to bring all of our ideas together? In not only I, I envisage this massive production like you're des- de- um, describing, Harrison, uh, but not only is it constantly moving from scene to scene, action set piece to action set piece, but it's also uh, constantly and seamlessly moving through genres and styles of theatre. Um, so we have, uh, mm. you know, this laser uh, show with the ballet, um, but also we have, you know, when Catherine Zeta-Jones' character is first introduced. Um, and she's she's just working out um, the the crime in Amsterdam. We could do that as a uh, a one woman show section where the whole stage is bare and it's just her. Um, <laughs> when Terry Benedict is is going yeah. around 
<laughs> threatening um, the people at the beginning. That could be an opera. You get the idea, you know. Yeah, and we're just I like playing this. with genre and style, and, and I, yeah. I like this idea of the movie as a past yeesh because that is how I feel about it. It's in the past, and when I watch it, I go yeesh. Okay, um, well, you, you can think about right. this differently to the rest of us. <laughs> um, no, no, but um, um, yeah, no, I, I, I like this. I like this as a, as a new project. It's uh, it, the coronavirus is over. It's the Brexit festival. We've got to, we've got, we've got to celebrate British culture. Um, and how better to celebrate British culture than with an American than, film? Yeah, you know American how all film. genres are famously well. British. No, no, but but you know, but but but. You'd have to market this as like as like here's like we're we're gonna celebrate all the different genres and we're gonna do it through your this beloved story that everyone loves called <laughs> Oceans Twelve <laughs> and uh, it's a tale it's as old as time. Is, it's really, a tale as old as time. That's why Harrison was able to summarize it so succinctly. And yeah, we that's to- why it was so <laughs> easy. It's about the experience, is what I want to emphasize. That again, like, and I and I do mean this like sincerely in the sense that like this isn't a movie that you're supposed to think too hard about that the satisfaction comes from the experience of watching it and seeing all of these bits of genre come together in this aesthetically pleasing way and i don't need to think too hard about uh why people are doing what they're doing (laughs) i just i just want to see pretty people do cool stuff um and i want to take that spirit with me to the stage when adapting this that's what i want the, the the spirit of uh oceans 12 uh on the stage to be right so pretty people doing cool yeah. stuff in pastiche yeah. genre mash massive genre explosion mash. like not, not not explosions massive you know massive high budget you mean explosion maybe there's that bit where the car blows up at the beginning there is that's that bit where the yeah. car blows up at the beginning see i <laughs> forgot that we're gonna have to do bit. that <laughs> um yeah okay okay so we've done it that's it <laughs> well maybe say no more we we want to discuss maybe what genres might fit different sections so uh and you know and what styles yeah. and what forms so um perhaps we could work our way through the plot in uh, some detail and discuss what we might do with each section with each set piece what what um what theatrical form that might take uh what where can we borrow from from uh different bits of theater to bring this thing to life in this crazy theatrical extravaganza i suppose um so we we open with our prologue with uh, Brad Pitt um, sneaking out the window um, wh- when uh, Catherine Zeta Jones is about to discover that he has been he's done a high profile robbery um, wh- which she is investigating whilst they're in a relationship. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why I explained that so poorly. I thought you did fine. So well, what do we what do we envisage? I I I think there is a, an element of slapstick here there's something quite physically funny about brad pitt's reaction to what she's discussing and then his uh his escape yeah i think also like the realization is big but the space that it takes place in is quite small so i'm even envisioning Mm. like this first scene is just like normal occupying normal space on the stage um uh taking its cues from like like a neil simon comedy um so 
you know, for those unfamiliar, a lot of his plays are just like, uh, you know, like The Odd Couple or Barefoot in the Park, where it's like, you know, mismatched uh, characters uh, have to learn to live together in a small space and um, and taking that Mm. kind of energy that that approaches it in this... um, not necessarily, I mean, well, Neil Simon isn't the necess- necessarily the goofiest guy because he has written some dramas and comedy dramas as well. Um, but sort of approaching it from like his, um, like early to mid sixties work where it's like really light and frothy and fun. Um, but very like physical and slapstick as, um, you know, Rusty has to make his way out of this apartment through the window without Isabel knowing that he's leaving when she's in the next room. <laughs> and you have these moments of realization where she's like saying like, oh yeah, so we found a, a, a like a, a boot, um, a, like a footprint of a boot with a, a worn down heel. And he's like looking at the heel of the boot and he's like, oh, oh, and then he yeah. goes into the bathroom and she's like, oh, and he definitely like, he uses a, a shampoo that keeps his hair blonde. And then he's like looking at the shampoo, like, oh no, she's going to yeah. find out. Um, really, really so punching up some those of that moments. Sort of goofy physicality. Brill. And then that brings us to the the getting the band together sort of sequence. But this time, instead of Danny going around to each of them, it's each of them being discovered by Terry Benedict and being told that they have to pay back his money with interest. What what are our thoughts here? I mean, This yeah. I kind <laughs> of imagine is like, um, uh, well, Terry Benedict is like... Um, it's like musical opera, like Phantom of the Opera. Terry Benedict yeah. is coming back from the depths of, um, you know, his casino with a, with a cape <laughs> <laughs> and tracking everybody down for, for his money. And in every, every, every different, um, in every different place or like every different, uh, ocean crew member he's tracking down has, uh, is, is, is being, a um, consumed by <laughs> Terry Benedict, his cape and, and his, and for some reason he like has the Phantom of the Opera mask, but his face is fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Like, why are you wearing a mask? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, the bit I want to keep from this, no matter what scale or style we do is my favorite joke in the whole movie, which is, uh, Elliot Gould is, uh, at a fortune teller, and he's like really winding the fortune teller up because yeah. he's sincerely asking questions that she doesn't know the answers to. And then they cut, Benedict comes in to be like, Hey, yeah. I found you. Surprise. And he's like, This, this you couldn't predict. <laughs> yeah, that's iconic. Man, um, <laughs> you're, once again, you're right for all them. the wrong reasons, Jake. <laughs> no, yeah, mean, once again. <laughs> um, that is, no, yeah, I th- and I think actually playing all of those scenes on a, a kind of grand operatic st- scale would immediately introduce, one, how camp this whole thing is, but also, like, Ooh. like your issue with, like, stakes in this, Jake, is it, is it immediately makes stake like make stakes in this narrative out of nothing because we're playing this on this like melodramatic operatic scale which would be very silly but but also i think like yeah a really fun way to introduce all of those characters um and uh, yeah that does make me happier 
Yeah. How, how, <laughs> how might we define camp in this sense, perhaps? Well, I thought you'd never ask. Um, for, for those familiar with Susan Sontag's notes on camp, who I take a lot of my thoughts on camp from, because um, a fun fact for our audience is I've never had an original thought. <laughs> So <laughs> I look to her to, to give me things to think. So in No Tongue Camp, uh, her, uh, one, uh, one of her definitions of camp is describing it as failed seriousness. Um, so for example, like a lot of, um, melodramas, uh, you know, or like women's pictures from the thirties are considered very campy because, uh, they aim to be very serious, but there's elements about them, whether it be in their performances or something about the way that they're made doesn't quite hit the mark. Um, and they are enjoyable because of that gap between what the goal is for the filmmaker or the artist or, you know, or whoever's making something and, um, their desired effect. Um, it's that the, that the desired effect and the actual effect of it don't match up. Um, so I think that element is quite prevalent here. Although I would say Ocean's 12 is a lot more like tongue in cheek and, and self aware of that. Yeah. Um, for example, like movies by John Waters are very camp, but John Waters knows exactly what he's doing and exactly, he's not yeah. trying to make serious melodrama films, but he's incorporating elements from other things because, um, he knows that there is this gap between what maybe the intended effect for the uh, original instance of the trope was and the actual effect that it presents to an audience. Brill, thank you. That's, I mean, that's nice. the perfect definition. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. That's what um, I'm here for. So, <laughs> see, when you say that, it's as if you knew and you were just asking Harrison and just like checking she knew. Yeah, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, well yeah, done. Well done. Well done. yeah I'm just going to make sure you know what camp is. Um, <laughs> Before we go forward, I need to make sure. I need um, to make sure we're on the same page here. <laughs> Right, so we've got the gang together in this grand operatic fashion, and now we have yeah. the build-up to the first heist, which I'm going to lump all in together. So we have that first conversation um, in America where Danny reveals they're going to Amsterdam, and then we have the planning phase in Amsterdam. I think we could lump this all in together into one long There's section. There's also the bit where they fly to Amsterdam, and yeah. Linus says he wants to have a bigger that role, and then so um, Brad Pitt good. doesn't care. Because <laughs> this is a good right? scene. Because it's... it's <laughs> There's, you have that scene where it's literally Matt Damon saying, I wish I had a bigger role in this in this film than I did in the last one. And then it's Brad Pitt yeah. just saying, nah, man, let me sleep. Um, and, and it's so good as well because uh, like literally two scenes later, they're in Amsterdam. It's a heist that is like for, like they're going to get a fraction of the amount of money out of it that they did the one in the first film. So we already know something's definitely up and they're literally like having to lift a whole building like several inches up uh, in order to pull yeah. it off. And Brad Pitt says to George Clooney, man, I think we're just forcing it too much this time around, which is like <laughs> exactly the issue with like every sequel is that it's forcing too much. And it's just, oh, it's very good. Very, very yeah. funny. So, yeah, I don't know. I wonder what we can do with this section. Maybe something that reflects the sort of meta elements that are at play here. Um, what what do you think in terms of style that we could use for this section? It also includes that scene where where they, they're speaking in code. Um, oh, that's where, good. Yeah, it's very funny, a very funny scene. 
Um, but they're not speaking in code. The, the idea is that it seems like they're speaking in code, but yeah, they're not. It's they're called a, called a lost in translation. It's very, yeah, very clever. Yeah. So, yeah, what, what do we think we could use here? I don't know. It's making me think of, like, and especially that scene where they're speaking code to each other, like, I think kind of reminds me of something like, you know, well, I mean, this is another film, but, um, like, My Dinner with Andre. Yeah. Um, which... Some people have said about that film that it is very play-like because it is just two people talking to each other for an hour and a half. Mm. Um, and I wonder, like, maybe, you know, this is the moment where everybody has their conversation, like, in the audience. Like, they're seated amongst the audience and, like, talking to each other and maybe they're, you know, it's like Matt Damon – being like, oh, I'm very confused, and maybe is like turns to the guy next to him, who's like an actual audience member, is like, do you know what this guy is talking about? Or like, this yeah, is the moment yeah. where it just sort of gets like a little meta, where it's audience participation, even though they don't really have to do anything, because I hate audience <laughs> participation. <laughs> um, why would I pay money for me to do something to entertain everyone? Well, That's well, why I'm paying, so you can do it. But anyway, no, with that aside... This, this has to be an escape room, Well, surely. I was going to say, there is um, like a sort of uh, a, a form of theatre that I've been thinking a lot about recently called playable theatre, where the, the idea is the audience has as much agency as the as the actors Ooh. on stage. And... Yeah. Um, and I wonder, is there a way here where we can have D Danny Ocean and, and um, Rusty Ryan presenting the issues, like the problems with this heist and yeah. how difficult it's going to be. And then we're asking the audience to solve it. And what we can even do is that like, you know, th not necessarily that people have to come to the, the same solution that the film does. And so each night their solution can be slightly different because the only bearing that actually has on anything is uh, essentially Catherine Zeta-Jones's um, investigation of it later on, which we could right. kind of probably improvise on the night, her investigating that specific thing based on well, what they're yeah. doing. What, yeah. The idea for me of <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones's character is it doesn't matter how hard or big a leap it is for her to work something out. She just works yeah, it out. Yeah, because she knows everything about stealing, yeah. Yeah, there's the scene where she just sees the egg on like a poster and is like that. That's what they're stealing with no other information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's the most it, valuable yeah, like, thing. Which is like <laughs> right. So I that, love it. that's the point of her character. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so I think that would totally work. That she we just have like just be in her ear, whatever. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. She just knows. well, she's not on stage yeah. at this point. She could be in her dressing room, you know, right, sat so there she's, watching, yeah, making notes, listening. We could even have it where in her scene she has a notepad. So if she needs to refer to those notes again, she can. Um, but I think it'd be yeah. a fun moment, especially after like the the um, over the topness of the sort of operatic section <laughs> immediately before yeah. to then have this like really playable, fun, like inviting the audience in. Like you say, Harrison, having those characters sat in the audience and they can help prompt the audience towards coming up with solutions as well. Um, I think that could be a fun way of handling this section up, uh, up to the heist. Yeah, I'm into it. I like that. Nice. Okay. And then the moment the heist... Check that off the list. Yeah, done. <laughs> Simple. The moment the heist done. is gonna happen, like, we literally see Basher played uh, by Don Cheadle in... What is it? Yeah. I would describe it as a divisive performance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very controversial, <laughs> I would say. Um, wait, wait, wait. wait. Have, we, have we skipped over the bit with the submarine? 
this what the when they jack up the house well, no, this is the, all prep the, they there's a this is all part of the we, prep section this is no this yeah the, okay all right so we're doing the bit where he shoots so we we don't care that there's a submarine involved in this we just jack up the house with like magic no 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 like is that well, you make a good point. I, I was um, envisioning, in, in the heist well, genre, often you have someone describe what they're going to do as it's taking place. I imagine right, yes. maybe we have a bunch of bits of stuff on stage that could be ah, formed. Yes, a bunch of bits of stuff. You know, yes. like foam blocks or something. And as the audience come up with solutions of how the heist is going to work, the right. actors build how they're going to do it. So it might be a submarine one night, but right. then another night they yeah. might come up with something else. The point like is slightly I, I improvised in the, in the film. As fun as that heist is like the, the lifting of the building and stuff. The point of it is that that heist doesn't matter necessarily. Right. Yes. Um, also, I didn't understand what they were, what they came up with the solution, but I didn't understand what they were solving. Like, <laughs> cause they do it very quickly. So it doesn't really matter. Okay. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, basically, cool. they anyway, do this, basically, they do, this, they do this thing where they're like, "We need to take a shot." Oh, but there's a tree in the way. Okay, well, we can take the shot if we make the house higher. And they're like, "Okay, cool, we'll make the house higher." But yeah, I, like, they do that so fast, and it's so that's such a thing that doesn't make any sense to someone that I didn't get. But Brad, why they Brad were raising the house has, until yeah, way knows yeah. about times when they raised the house <laughs> in other in other heists. I know, I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway. Any, okay, well, at any rate, we decided that the, that whatever it is that they do there doesn't quite matter as long as it's something that connects to to some part of um, Catherine St. Jones's knowledge yes. of um, thievery. Um, so <laughs> I think for sure you need, you need a group of actors who um, are you know, quick on their feet, mm. that they have a background in, improvis- in improvisation, that they can remember these little bits yeah. um, for later and, you know, use whatever's com- whatever the, you know, the actors in the audience together come up with for, you know, the big plan right. of like the first heist that doesn't matter um, that maybe we see acted out, meanwhile, on stage, um, you know, improvise. Right. Yeah. So it's like this is the this is like an improvised playable section that then becomes like a mad lib later on. A little bit. Using what yeah. has been come but, up. But with. and and right. what's good about it is that like the actors don't have to remember it too long because really it's only at play for the next right. section when Catherine Zeta Jones is investigating this crime. Uh, right. Which is the one woman play, Which which right? will be the one woman play. We, <laughs> exactly. That, yeah? yeah. And I think there's a way of writing it that there are specific like sections of speech she has to get to uh that are already mm-hmm. set out but then the parts that the audience have decided will be in a bit where she is like role playing the investigation she's already done and so those can feel looser and feel more improvisational within her mm-hmm. one woman show segment um <laughs> This is okay. silly. Yeah. So in the one woman show, she describes in an entertaining yes. way up to where. What, what do we want to have? Well, because we also we I think we have up to the moment where she discovers them in the hotel, because that's when we then swap focus back to the gang, right? Yes. So we we have her do all the way up to her discovering them upstairs in the hotel in Amsterdam, and then this is the moment where. We we learn of their relationship in Rome, right? Through Brad Pitt's eyes. Yeah. Uh, 
No, it's through her eyes. Ah, yeah, good. Because I wanted it to be part of her one-woman show. Yeah, so she takes out the, like, crossbow from the the wood. And then she has, like, a... two-minute flashback of their relationship i believe yes yeah 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 um, yeah you're correct which which again you're right the only way that is indicated is through the the type of the using film instead of digital which i guess is kind of cool but and also she has bangs <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and brad pitt has like fr- like almost frosted <laughs> <Yes>. tips <laughs> yes so you well, know so, that the it's next, a different time before we cut to the hotel we have that like few minutes where we see that saul feels guilty for having not been involved ah uh, yes yes which yes. is actually quite important because then he turns up later. we can shift that we can shift that slightly later to after she's found them in the hotel yeah. um so we yeah. have the one woman show including describing the relationship up to that point then maybe we have like maybe we have this scene with saul in the style of like like an Aikborn, like a skewering of the middle classes, Alan Aikborn type show. That might be too yeah. too similar to our opening scene. I would I'm I was thinking like last last five years style two handed musical. Oh my god. Like <laughs> at each other around the table. <laughs> I, that that works even better. Um, that works even better. Yeah. Um, I'm in I'm I'm in yeah yeah okay real um then we're back with the oceans gang the boys the fellas the lads and <laughs> uh, the lads and um the ocean lads what what's happening oh, this, is this the arsenal bag escape yes so oh my they put, goodness yes is it yen they put yen in an arsenal bag where he appears to stay for like three days yeah, i think he does yeah yeah um but it's okay because he has snacks and um, water and it's all right Yes, and water. So it's fine. Uh, and then they, yeah, and then so he escapes like that. And then the how rest is of them that MF are gonna anyway? poop? <laughs> they never discuss that. <laughs> they just don't. They just do not. <laughs> no one ever poops in films. Um, oh my god. Well, it's, uh, the yeah, reason- this is definitely going in my Cinema Sins review. Of- <laughs> <laughs> the reason he <laughs> has to go in the bag, Jake, is because he was made by um, Catherine Zeta Jones, not as in she yes, spotted but him. So. Yeah, but so were Danny and so yeah, were, they dress so up as Danny Arsenal players. Rusty. Right. Oh, so is the implication that they then get on that bus, but they get off, but the bag doesn't? Yes, is that's that the exactly implication? the implication. The the bag gets right. mixed up. They take the wrong bag off, and he gets sent right. onwards. Okay, that I did not understand that, but okay, <laughs> yes, fine. Um, um, th- yes. and now it all makes sense to Jake, and now he loves this movie. Yeah, and suddenly it clicks. <laughs> Okay, so this has to be in the style of like a Punch and Judy puppet show. A puppet show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into it. Everyone is putting things, or like, or like, just like a, a, or like even mime, like where people are. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, what, what is, what is the thing I'm thinking of where like someone comes on and they put a thing in a thing and then they go off. And then someone else comes on and they move it, and then the other person comes back in and they clowning? don't realize it's been moved. So, yeah, I guess it's clowning. Yeah, <laughs> no, but but, yeah, but, like, but not like clowns you see at the circus, but like proper clowning. No professional. Yeah, clowning. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I just want to point out the tone of utter contempt you just said clowning with Caleb. <laughs> You're like clowning. Do you mean are you for clowning? real? Even like. Even like there's, there's scenes in pantomimes often, yes, where yeah, yeah, yeah. like there where like a character will like deliberately not have knowledge of something else going on on stage. Dramatic right. irony, so that it's funny. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> I don't. I just yeah. somewhat, rude somewhat now. ironic. Caleb is really hitting us with all of these 
literary terms <laughs> yeah, today. Terms. Hey, you wanna you wanna define dramatic irony like Harrison defined camp? Go for um, it. Well, dramatic irony. No, we don't care. Is don't worry. You. <laughs> dramatic <laughs> irony is when I, I know what dramatic irony you. means and you don't, Jake. <laughs> 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 so um, wow wow isn't that just sarcastic yeah um <laughs> i know wow. i love this as a as a clowning section um this yeah. the section that is maybe 25 seconds in the film <laughs> but we yeah and we make it like a full like an hour an hour several of clowning. minutes <laughs> an hour of clowning um so we're all agreement an hour of clowning yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then then we are at the train station and we get a little bit of downtime with the boys. Uh there are there's a there's some real funny stuff about uh how old is is George Clooney. It's good stuff. Yeah, oh, this is where we it. first introduced to the concept that Tess looks like the actress she's there's playing yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I love that as well because it's just That's like, called foreshadowing. And, and Brad Pitt is just like I am not the I'm not the type to be mystical, but you can't ask me that and I can't ask you why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's so, so cryptic in that this, scene. I think this is this is waiting for Godot. Yes, yes, it's Beckett style yeah, nonsense. Beckett, yeah, yeah, it's, it's right. Very good, yeah. yeah, waiting um, for the train. Maybe we even do it in French. <laughs> just this section, just because. Yeah, nothing they say matters. Yeah. So yeah, just wow. to just to mess around. Are you telling me that seeing all of these actors I know and love joke about how old George Clooney looks? isn't necessary is that what you're telling me (laughs) (laughs) also again that was so of the like now george clooney the my like zeitgeist of george clooney that i am aware of is that he's like a silver fox that was Was him then a period in the 2000s yeah right so why does he care about looking old isn't the idea that he looks old yeah but it's it's, it's, it's making fun of that though as well isn't it like the whole thing it's this pastiche of like heist but also of like celebrity and and like the last age of the movie star and things like that all right we get it it's pasta sheets okay Okay. (laughs) it's lasagna (laughs) it's sheets of pasta (laughs) laying on top of each other um And it's delicious. <laughs> and it's delicious, yeah. Um, so you're gonna eat your lasagna and you're gonna enjoy it, <laughs> all right? <laughs> I did. I actually had lasagna for dinner. This is kind of weird. Anyway, I said um, this. I, I said this before in in the first take, and I do want to repeat it because I think it is a very good joke. But Jake, I will have you know that the sleepover is at my house tonight, and Mom said I could pick the movie, <laughs> and I picked this movie. This so movie. we're gonna. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we're gonna be thrilled about it uh, <laughs> we are we're thrilled we are thrilled um, okay what's next on the agenda so we've got oh this is the bit where she wants hit the we go back to the police woman yeah and she wants her boss to sign a 1077 which is like yeah i, I guess it's sort of like a uh you like a you get to do what you want martial law executive order style <laughs> martial <control>. law <laughs> Yeah, kind of. So signing um, off of control. I think it's more about being able <laughs> yeah. to make arrests without proper evidence. Is is what the ten seventy seven right? Ah, uh, um, but but yeah, uh, yeah I interpreted rule. it to be I'm more like like a that. warrant type thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe not exactly that, but along those lines. She'll be in trouble if she doesn't have one. Yeah, yeah. According to oceanscollection.fandom.com, a 1077 <laughs> is simply an official request for additional resources. Oh, okay. Wow. That, that's it. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> 
Why does she need them right? that badly? Like she, she's all right. Like she wants to come in guns blazing. That's so that she has a reason not to go back at the yeah, end of the I film. Mean, yeah, that's that's true. I envisage this as a tense. What well, in in the style of a crime procedural uh, or even a crime thriller? Mm. This scene, um, and it's all uh, that sort of like heightened, like. You know, this is the only chance we got, Chief, to, you know, to get these guys, um, that kind of God thing. God damn it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you'll get results. Like, the yeah. loose cannon <laughs> needs to convince uh, the, the Chief to take part in their wily ways. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, which is borrowing from TV, but who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't, sure, yeah. yeah that's okay, we can borrow like from Like we said, pastiche. Yeah. We can do yeah. whatever we want. We can, I'm not. I'm like, yeah. We're not really referring to any real staging of this. No, this so is just absolutely like, not. We're more just identifying genres. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every um, scene we're like, the, the, here's another one I know. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the next thing that happens okay. is, I believe, is it Eddie Izzard? Yeah, man. Oh, that's yes. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The phone call. Eddie Izzard is yeah receives a phone call from what he believes is Rusty's assistant, but it's actually the police woman. Yeah. The, yes. mo- the moment when Rusty realizes his phone's been taken and we get a freeze frame on Brad Pitt's oh, face. Chef kiss. <laughs> this is me. This is me doing like the Italian chef thing with my hand. The chef's thinking the chef's about kiss. that freeze yeah. frame. Mm. Chef kiss. Mm. Mm, delicious. This is this is the lasagna <laughs> that we're talking about. The this is lasagna <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> Everything up till now has been that uh, complimentary baguette, the French stick you get at the beginning. Well, I'm, I'm confusing cuisines. Uh, but <laughs> French stick. <laughs> the, gar- the garlic bread. Uh, <laughs> nah, on tray, nah, the French yeah. stick, not the French <laughs> stick, like like S T C H. But now yeah, we're, yeah, we're digging French into stick. the lasagna. <laughs> the of the movie. Um, yeah, the Italian it's that stuff. <laughs> where, where are we um, up to? Yes, so so uh, Eddie Izzard is making a hologram. Yes, that is where we're up. Okay, to. I mean yes. this um, is all the sort of like uh, the the planning of the next heist. Is there is there something we can do to to tie all of this together with the Eddie Izzard phone call as well? Mm. Mm. Well, we're, we're now in a place where like we're fully in the point of the film where when we look back at it at the end, this is all performance for the night. Fox, yeah, this is true. Right? This is true. Oh, we've missed right. the scene where where like Clooney goes to see the Night Fox. Um, well, that was in that was in our preparation for the first bit. No, he does bit, that after guess, the first one. Yeah. Right, because that, they, they, yeah. they, we only learn about him after the that he- the first heist has been foiled. Oh, no, I, I think it could be uh, what we have is we have the scene with Catherine Zeta-Jones asking for the 1077 alongside an equally heightened, equally tense confrontation between George Clooney and the Night Fox. Um, and we have these two scenes playing off of each other on stage. Yeah, the, it's, there's there's okay. split between them. Or I think the other my other suggestion would be or we can use this concept for later like we have Catherine zeta jones doing her one woman show okay um i also i also want to imply that all of the actors are going to be played by the same people yeah 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 movie. even though um, even though we're like 50 what nearly 20 yeah, years it doesn't on. matter <laughs> it doesn't matter um 
Yeah, two of them are dead. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> the the next scene is is confrontation with the night fox, but like we know that the night fox like lives in Lake Como and you know had, throws parties every night, like he's the Great Gatsby living yeah, in, yeah. in Italy. Um, but like, but it's it's done like a like um like a like a Broadway Great White Way big you know classic. Broadway type big dance number. <laughs> I like that very much. It, to introduce us to him and um, his backstory of like why he is doing this to Ocean and the gang, and maybe like maybe they get like their explanation there. Like I don't know, they they all go there, and then they're all in like a kick line by the end. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, he he kind of gives his his whole origin story in this massive Broadway number. I think that's uh, that's a lot of fun. Does it? I'm worried it comes too close to our other musical piece. But do we? Care? Well, it's no, such a different continue. kind of musical piece uh, as well. Yeah, this is true. more of the of the that's golden true. age of of you know these big broadway right, musicals on time yeah, yeah in, indeed um okay let let's carry on um we're in rome we're preparing for the big one the big heist and like you say jake this the is all performance one. this is all you know, wrapped up in the, the mm-hmm. theatricality of the whole thing yeah the next thing that happens is that um george clooney gets a call at 11 p.m when it is clearly light outside, <laughs> telling him that it is 5 a.m. So um, good. <laughs> so I'm confused as to who's lying here, because if you look at the scene where he gets woken up at 5 a.m., it is very obviously very bright and light outside, so I don't understand No, 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 it's 11, isn't it 11 p.m. when he's called? Yeah, it's supposed oh, to be, because that's what Brad Pitt then says, but that doesn't make any sense with, doesn't the, with the light coming <laughs> it, it, from the window. It really doesn't matter. I didn't even know. <laughs> Listen, anyway, Jake, um, by all yeah. means, it, when we're done with this podcast, I give you my blessing to go write your own set of IMDb goofs <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> You're more than welcome. <laughs> no, but there's, there's a difference. You know, the, 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 I guess that's why I don't like it. Is because maybe it's because I'm watching it with a view to staging it. I'm looking at details. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, if it, it's like it's only a goof if most people. If like, I guess it's a, it's a goof if people don't notice on in the whole. Whereas these are things where I was like watching it, like wait, what? I don't think I noticed. But it was that. light. I, I didn't did notice either. Notice but yeah. <laughs> um, well, <it's> because, <laughs> once again, um, no thoughts had empty for me, so I obviously didn't <laughs> pick up on it. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. This sequence, because then, yeah, George Clooney comes in and him and Brad Pitt sit and drink wine together. Um, While watching this Oprah. This is what Ocean's 12 is about. Um, yeah, that's what, yeah, that is truly the meat of it. It's like those stupid, like, interstitial scenes that, like, have no bearing on the plot and it's just dudes hanging out. And yeah. that's, that's why I love this movie. That's what I want. What, what, what kind of theatrical uh form could represent this sense of just dudes hanging out (laughs) (laughs) you know dudes hanging out uh what and what okay let's think of a genre pinter pinter right i I was gonna say a genre where there is lots of silence and nothing happens and just dudes hanging out don't get me wrong i love pinter but I think maybe Pinter. <laughs> I can see yeah. that. This is this this is very in fact that whole scene is very Pinter because like Clooney comes to the door and like he's like, you know, 
what are you doing? Why aren't you up? And then and then Brad Pitt, and then they have that moment of almost silent realization between them that they've been they've been pranked, they've been punked. Um, yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's very Pinta. I really like that. And also, they also the other thing that's Pinter about it is that they're like they don't really care. Like they know about their plan that this is all fine because yeah. it's all for show. Right, but exactly. The scene doesn't tell us that, which is also very Pinter that like there's just something you don't know about the just scene. Just a layer that's not and that you aren't told. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Brill. That works better than it should. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's this um, whole okay. film. Um, yeah. Okay. Then they all get arrested in the queue for the museum. That's Man, the next thing that that's, happens. Yeah, this is good yeah. stuff. This scene. What do we Ooh. do with that? You know what? I kind of... Uh, similar to like how you have your like big Broadway musical number, you, you also... I guess in the like sort of 1900s, 1910s, you had this kind of like uh, trope of lots of comedies of, of like these big opening scenes where we're just introduced to like loads and loads of characters, ones that we're meant to care about and also just ones that we'll, we'll never see again. Um, and often part of the reason for that was that like the expectation was the audience might not show up until like halfway, half an hour into the Right, the, so you got to kill some time. Yeah, exactly. But I kind of like, <laughs> although that's just killing time. Also, uh, actually, often a lot of those scenes are like the are, are the funniest scenes because they're not caring about moving right. the story forward or the drama. They're just caring about like the just I- enjoying these characters in the situation they're in. And there'll be like parties or like weddings or whatever. So sure. I kind of like the idea of like this grand scene and like maybe even like we're seeing people queue up before we even see the gang we're seeing like a a family of tourists uh getting confused as to which queue they're meant to be in we're seeing like a conversation between some guards about how they're looking for these we got they got to look out for these specific criminals and stuff and then eventually we see our our fellows slowly enter the queue and work their way up before they get arrested and i think that would be fun but it also had this sense of mounting tension as well we're like hold on i'm not seeing any of our guys oh there's one of them there's one of them there's one of them. and then suddenly they're all in the scene and then they're all being arrested and i think that would be quite a fun way of staging this that's fun yeah that's fun if you want to hear more like about this uh first act being for when the audience aren't in and they're being played around with then go listen to our hamilton the play episode because oh, we talk about it in detail we do. Wow. that was um, a big big part of the four act play which was um big oh. deal back then um yeah it was all um, the rage back then <laughs> it was all that it really was um cool okay so now we're at the point where we're getting tess in to fix this whole mess that's right yeah this big that's old mess right. My first instincts for this scene, because it is um, a, you know, play on, like, mistaken identity and pretending to be a famous person, um, and quite meta, I mean, hypothetically, like, let's say it's not played by the same cast of people as the film, like, I think Tess has to be played by a big-name star, so whoever it is, they're like, you're gonna look like, like, you have to pretend to be this person, you know, like, if it's like... Like, I don't know, for example, like, Halle Berry. They're like, you have to pretend to be Halle Berry. Or like, you know, or like, Kelly O'Hara. Like, let's go with a Broadway person. Like, I like I don't look anything like Kelly O'Hara. No, you, like, <laughs> it'll be fine. And like, you know, yeah, go from yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at any rate, um, yeah, so it just changes depending on who the actress is. But I'm kind of seeing it as like, um, taking on this, 
like um like restoration comedy approach where so many of those plays are like me pretending to be somebody else and now i'm dressed up as this person um yes. and you yeah, think yeah, i'm yeah. you know you think i'm the baron but really i'm just a you know a, a present <laughs> that happens to look exactly like it when you put a wig on me and stuff like that um yeah okay, so yeah. i don't know if like i don't know if the speech also emulates that but that would be really fun if we even had it in like blank verse or something yeah I have a a a, 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 a dead addition to bring to this, yes. um, which is if this part is what it kind of is, which is acting a bit scared at the beginning with like one or two lines, and then in the middle doing this thing where they pretend to be themselves, and then we also have to have this like cameo Bruce Willis character, yes, who comes oh. in and like knows them. There was a thing the the pin, uh, who are a comedy group, uh, just before lockdown three over in the West End. <laughs> They did a show called The Comeback, mm. and in that show, every single night they had a different celebrity join oh, them. Oh, I love that! For yeah. a section of oh, the they show. did that in Oh in, Hello as well. Too much tuna, yeah. In Oh Hello, did a similar thing, and I think I, it's actually so. I think it's actually kind of a, like it's a thing, yeah. right? It's a That's thing a shows true. do. So I think if we can make this part small enough or if we can't make this part small enough then at least with the bruce willis character we just have a different it's a different bruce willis every night i think that's a great idea and i think yeah. you could still even do this in blank verse but they're not speaking in blank verse uh because they're right because they're not on, in on, on the it. thing and yeah that almost works as well because often you have in um in a in like a shakespeare play uh you know characters that are of a higher status speak in poetry and those mm-hmm. of a lower status don't and you're you introduce this sense of status in are you part of it or are you not part of it and so you're right. kind of playing with that as well i think yeah i think that would be really fun and it would I be like you say it is just like whoever's in town that night comes along and they play that cameo um and and th- yeah there's not that much for them to do and i think there's enough it's obvious enough what they would be doing that you could have them essentially ad lib it every night as well. Um, but then have the actors around them. Um, yeah. Doing this whole stuff in blank verse and stuff. Yeah. Brill. Okay. This, this is just, this is a crazy show. If, it, if you think about how far yeah, we've come not so. since we were doing like opera. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, um anyway yeah let's yeah, let's yeah. carry on but it won't be jarring it'll be fun uh no it'll be jarring uh so we've <laughs> we're in the home straight uh, i feel yes right well, no we are we're, we're on the last of my three pages of, of plot so um <laughs> my last the next three thing pages that happens of plot is uh, uh it's all about to go wrong during this scene yeah but then saul turns up only to immediately be arrested because he hasn't actually helped. <laughs> King stuff from from Saul. This movie is this still in the blank verse? I think it could be. Perhaps. Maybe everything up to them being arrested has got to yeah. be in this blank verse section, and that almost works yeah. well because the character he plays is this like over the top like European physician. Um, so that would be quite funny as well to have that yeah. all in blank verse. So this takes us all the way up to their arrest and um, retrieval by uh, Matt Damon's mum. It's not Matt Damon's mum. <laughs> I didn't mom. understand this at all. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like, I just didn't understand what was happening. Well, you, you're meant to like... not understand until they're in the car. And then and then he's like, I'm never going to live this down. But that reveal is not... 
yeah, I guess. But also, but him being her being his mom is not a satisfying explanation for how she pulled it nah. off to me. If that well, because they're all con artists. Like, we we know this from the the film before. He he's right. from a family of con artists. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I. But that's that's it. That's all you need. All you need is they they must have conned somehow. Yeah, they oh, yeah. conned. She okay. cons. She cons. I mean, uh, she just has she just has to go in there like looking official with like maybe a couple of people to make it look like you know her team right which i would get if like they were like i don't know going to a hotel and asking for a room or something but this they go to a prison yeah, yeah. and they say release them yeah, to yeah, us yeah 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 oh good <laughs> stuff. Hey, if, you, if you believe it <laughs> fake it till you make it um so what's this what genre is this other than bullshit (laughs) (laughs) very good um what genre is this i mean i think this could also like maybe i don't know i feel like we can bring back in like you know using masks or something because clearly like you know we learn molly star is not exactly who she says she is and she's really just yeah. um linus's mom but maybe like something you know with um with costume or something Commedia um, dell'arte. yeah that yeah and yeah yeah i feel like because I even feel like that's sort of Comedia like... Which character are any of these characters? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, you, Once again, it pantalone. literally doesn't matter. <laughs> you just put you put Matt Damon in the sad mask. You right. put his mum in the angry that's mask. That's not Comedia. <laughs> None of that is Comedia. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, uh, how about... I think it's a line dance. What? That's not... <laughs> It's a it's a mirror. That's also not a genre of theater. This is theater killer. It's like you know that bit where like that bit and some stuff where people just mirror each other for no reason. That like a frantic assembly like movement piece. Maybe I I, yeah like basically I'm just I I like like the idea is that Linus's mom yes comes in and her like very presence forces the police to just like follow her movements and she's like in control of them Uh, that's that's my like vision right but I don't know what any of that's called I think that's a kind of like a Um, like a frantic assembly style sort of movement section um yeah I, I can see that I could see that Right, it's like physical theatre. I don't know, we can go with Commedia if you want, but I just don't think any of these characters fit Jake, any of why the not, archetypes. Why not both? <laughs> it, yeah, it doesn't matter. Just do them both. Who just cares? Just both. <laughs> Who um, cares? May, okay, so maybe maybe it's maybe it's that, that movement thing for up until they get in the SUVs to leave, and then it's Commedia dell'arte. Mask work. Uh, Wait, in the, Commedia Dell in the carte? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it has to happen now. Well, yeah, now that you said it like that, now we have to do it. Uh, <laughs> Commedia Del Carte. Uh, yeah, you can live with the regret that you ever said that. Well, regret luckily it. you don't, because you never have to actually do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it solves that problem. Okay, well, now... Frank and Tess, although if they're a celebrity cameo, maybe just Frank and more maybe a different character. Frank! Turn up at Frank. the house <laughs> Wait, of- are you seriously calling him Frank Ocean? I'm losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is exactly what I did. Frank Ocean? No, 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 it's not, it's not what I did. <laughs> 
It's not what I did. Here's what I did. Here's what I did. I'll tell you what I did. Okay. I had written down. This to me. I had written down. So there is a character called Frank, right? There is a character called Frank who is played by um, who's who's played by Bernie Mac, right? Bernie Mac's right. character is called is called he Frank, is called right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. Bernie yes. Mac, his iconic. Yep. Now friend. we, we yeah. only see Frank. T- now Frank gets uh, arrested really early on in the film, and uh, what happens after Linus? The what actually happens in the scene after Linus's mom saves the day is that Frank is broken out of prison by the guy from the first film that beats up Danny Ocean yeah, pretending right. to be his lawyer. Yeah, so um, yeah. good. It is not explained uh, how so that good. happens. He just goes, I'm his lawyer and therefore we are leaving, which makes no sense. But anyway, um, I had written down on my line, Frank breaks out and then they go and see the guy, uh, right? right? They go and see yeah, yeah. the Night Fox. So I read Frank goes to the Night Fox because they were like <laughs> next to each other. So I didn't, <laughs> didn't call him Frank Ocean. Yep. Um, I'm I'm um, gonna forever interpret it though as you calling him Frank Ocean, Frank and I'll Ocean. never let you live it down. Um, <laughs> yeah. Frank Ocean's twelve. The the Frank the Frank being broken so out good. bit. Um, the the Frank being broken out bit is uh is is a is a small moment, but I think that that could be a moment where we we play with some kind of uh mime or something. Everything there is visual. We don't need to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, although I guess, but it's like that whole scene is just a callback to the first film. So I would just have to just cut. You, yeah, the I don't think you need it. Yeah. Sorry, Frank. Okay. Sorry, Frank. sorry, Frank. <laughs> well, well, yeah. he can he could Frank can just come along with the gang to Rome. And then be, you know, arrested with the rest of them. Like, there, sure. there's almost part of me that thinks, like, why does that even happen? Is it, is it even potentially just, like, there was a scheduling issue with filming, so they just wrote him out of the Rome stuff, maybe? I wouldn't be surprised. Because there is literally no reason, uh, apart from maybe to up the stakes on how easily they can be arrested. I don't know, but I don't know. Well, I think it's maybe, maybe, I think it's maybe just a more interesting way of them having not enough people at the end yeah it's just to like is is for one of them to go first oh uh he had double pneumonia oh there you are so he couldn't come to the road <laughs> sad so yeah. they just wrote him out that sounds no like, way sounds like what happened like yeah, i just well, gets arrested and <laughs> i don't know the sentence i'm reading says he had double pneumonia but that didn't stop him but then i haven't got the rest but of that the sentence. didn't stop him uh, <laughs> from being in the first half of the movie <laughs> yeah i guess uh, it doesn't really explain, but yeah, it seems like it does seem like he had pneumonia. Like, uh, yeah, I'm and I'm like fully of the belief that like um, that Saul isn't in, in like the stuff until Rome because he just didn't want to be in that much of the movie as well. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, yeah, we can just cut that and just have Frank be arrested in that main section as well. Can't really come as a character because it, it still has to be Ocean's Eleven, but. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, but that's fine because at the end of this movie, there are thirteen people in the celebratory room. Yeah, that, that is true. This is true. Yeah. So with the, it still is oceans. It's fine. There's enough. Yeah. Um, again. Um. So yeah, we do. We we. So is it what's first? They so it happens in this order. They go to him. Yes. They so they go to the night the night forks. They ask him how he did it. He shows them how he did it. Yeah. Then I think we cut at some random point to uh the policewoman finding out that her dad is Lamar. Yeah. Yeah. Or no no she already knew that. We find out that her dad. No, is she Lamar. didn't know. She didn't know. She didn't know. So what did? So she knew he was a thief, just not witch thief. Yeah. yeah. And her mom That's said enough. he died. All right. Yeah, but they 
also weren't sure if Lamarck was alive. That's why I thought that matched up. But maybe not. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, it's almost like this film doesn't work. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Uh, yes, then then we cut back to... I think this is the order it happens. Then we, then we cut... No. no you know what? <laughs> the meeting the dad thing. The meeting the dad thing just happens after all of the reveals. Yeah, the last thing that happens yeah. before the celebration at the end is Isabel meeting, meeting her father. Yeah. That's okay. the very last thing that happens. Yes. Yeah. So it's it, And before yeah. that, the bit we're interested in is the is the first of all, how did the night fox steal the egg earlier, right. which we didn't even know had happened. Yeah. And then, how did they steal it even earlier than that? Great stuff. So, yeah, I think how did he how did he steal it as the ballet? Yeah, I believe. yeah, absolutely has <laughs> to be. It's just it, and it can be just like he can say, "How did I steal it?" Whatever he can be in, like you know, this real like casual sort of loungewear when they first come over, and he's like, "Oh, how did I steal it?" And then just like rips that off, and he's in a leotard, like full spandex, ready to do his like his ballet. I think that's a great, yeah. Yeah. yeah and then a wonderful moment and then how how did they steal it right so this bit's on the train but i think this one Cirque du Soleil yes Cirque du Soleil we gotta yeah. get that trapeze yes. we, we can't yeah, we, we need to Harrison mentioned trapeze at the start true. we've gotta, we get, gotta it get one trap <laughs> right. that's, a, that's uh, a great idea maybe you like it can have little uh trapeze as a treat <laughs> <laughs> what you guys don't know that meme <laughs> No. Oh my god. Well, there's like this meme of like, uh, I'm you know, sorry, no, just to make you explain a meme. <laughs> like, X can have little, uh, and it's also very important that those words are not in the correct, um, syntax okay. order. Um, yeah. X can have little, uh, Y as a treat, and then you fill it in with whatever. You know, I, I have seen this now, yeah. I yeah, do, I'd like to say, I, 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 yeah. Anyway. When when the Night Fox is explaining how he pulled his heist, it's electro ballet, yes. obviously with yes. lasers. And um, when Danny's explaining how he fooled the Night Fox, um, it's Cirque du Soleil trapeze. We got wires. We've got people doing somersaults and uh, cartwheels and all that nonsense uh, stuff yeah. with like uh, stuff with like the like the ribbons like that ribbon dancing I don't know what that's called aerial dancing it, you'll know and you guys know what I'm talking about I know I know what you mean with the, with the twirly ribbons on the end of sticks no 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 I mean like like when people dance in in the air using ribbons to suspend themselves oh, I know what you mean yeah oh. yeah 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 like that kind of stuff, uh, sure. Wh- which yeah. they do, which um, they actually do in um, in Spider Man: Turn Off the Dark. They have a section yeah. in which they do that. <laughs> so we're bringing it back. The thing is, it's important to me that in this in this trapeze section, this Cirque du Soleil section, the only actual practically useful thing that happens is that there's just a bag on a seat in a train yeah. and they swap them around. This is exactly what else. I was going to say. The thing still happens on the train. Well, because the thing is all about distraction as well. I think that's right. perfect. The point is is that like they provide distraction, but in, in the stage version, it is a Cirque du Soleil <laughs> performance on a train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I just, oh, I just couldn't get over that they were like, oh, how did we steal it earlier? Well, basically, you know how they transported this extremely valuable millions of dollars thing on a train? Well, because the whole point is that, like, you would, if people were going to hit somewhere, they'd hit the armored van that was carrying the egg. Right, it's pretty right. clever. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, hot um, take. No. It's um, clever. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I love that Cirque du Soleil, and then we get this touching moment where, um, yeah, Catherine Tita Jones is reunited with her father, um, and Brad Pitt is also just awkwardly there. He's just there. Somebody <laughs> had to bring her. Yeah, this is true. Is that hmm. something interesting we can do with this section? I mean, I don't I'm know. Think- I'm. Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say you could even do this as like a shadow performance. Yeah. Um, oh, I like that because I think so much of it like kind of just speaks for itself. Yeah. You don't yeah, have to overdo exactly. it. If we've already met Lamarck very briefly in the flashback as well, um, just before the Cirque du Soleil stuff kicks off, then we don't necessarily need like the full explanation. We can just do that as in silhouette. Oh, wait, we're doing that as well. We're doing the flashback. How are we doing the flashback? Well, it's just part of the whole Cirque du Soleil situation. Right. Right. So, so <laughs> the <laughs> Cirque du Soleil situation. There's, yeah. there's one, of the, one of the trapezes behind a shadow gauze, whatever. And that's the, that's the mark. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Sure. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. You know, that's unsatisfyingly satisfying. Cool. Uh, and Great. then we <laughs> reach the final party scene um, where they're all just hanging out, playing poker and stuff. Here's yeah. what happens. Okay. So at this moment, we press a we press a button, and in the theater, all of the, wait, who's we? Every all the audience have to press <laughs> no, no, a button the at the sta- same time. The stage three, two, two one, two, yeah. One. The tech, the technician, the presses a button. Oh, yeah, okay. the technician presses all a right, button. And what okay. happens is previous previous to this, they've pressed yeah, no yeah, buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely no buttons. Well, no this is the only up. button. All right, everything's queued up. Yeah, and just to run automatically, but at the end, he has to press this button. Um, and what happens is, okay, every row of seating moves on rails into uh, like circular seating around tables that come up out of the floor and the whole audience oh, is sat at poker yeah. tables. <laughs> yes, it turns um, into cabaret style. Yeah, exactly. And yes. uh, this was always cabaret style. At no point was this not a cabaret. Like, ob- <laughs> like obviously, that's what it um, is. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm imagining traditional seating, which, which transforms at the end into round the table cabaret style seating. Um, okay, just, just, just spell that out for me in terms of how the fuck. That I works told you, a technician it presses matter. a button. <laughs> <laughs> I already it's, told you. <laughs> the seats are on rails, and then there's tables under the floor that come up out of the floor. We build a whole new theater right. for this, is what I'm saying. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay, so there's just there's just an insane amount of space where for the rest of the time there is no seats or anything, so that the tables <laughs> can have space to appear. Uh, sure, I don't care. No, no, um, it's like it's like the yeah. scene in It's a Wonderful life where like they press the button in the gymnasium and the pool <laughs> comes out of the floor yeah 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 um so yeah we end with this cabaret style seating and our cast members just all go and join a table just any table and they just like sit down and enjoy a bit of poker a few drinks and the show doesn't end there's no you know final curtain call or anything it just goes on from there and we just enjoy a night uh at the at the poker tables with these you know really cool cast members 
Um, we just hang out uh, for, for, you know. For as long as after, you want. After what would be like a six hour long show from what we've described. <laughs> you then just, <laughs> yeah. you just sit there and just hang out and just have a good time. Yeah, you've no, earned so it. Actually, between between each genre, there's a 10 minute genre. Yeah, oh my God. yeah just so in you which can the like, t- the tables come out and there's there's another course of our 12 course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a full, like I said, it's a full experience. Yeah, and also in, in order to attend, you have to be able to play poker for the end. Otherwise, there's no, no point No, they can explain it to you. Um, no, 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 no. You have to be good. Oh, okay. You have to be good. <laughs> no, no, you have to be good. <laughs> this is like when Fred Armisen did a, a set, um, a, a stand-up set called Stand Up for Drummers. And at the door, he made you prove your drumming skill uh, where you had to oh like God. beat in time. Yeah, it's good. Good stuff. Um, that's so scary yeah, perfect <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like am I good um, enough for well to be, to be fair this is all this is what you see at the beginning of the Netflix filmed version of it but like probably they would have let anyone in I don't know um, well we did it <laughs> we did it we actually did it cool. I'm quite I'm quite proud of us Ocean's Poker Night the musical of trapeze ballet by Pinter the theatrical yeah. uh, extravaganza and it has to be on at the Brexit Festival. That's my, that's my stipulation. Okay. The Brexit. What is the Brexit Festival? Oh, do you not know about this, Harrison? What is that? It's not real. Uh, no, it is real. <laughs> like Euro, like European <laughs> poll. The Brexit Festival isn't real, and it can't hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Brexit apparently, apparently really other, the name is being controlled by external sources. But apparently, it's just being a normal festival run by normal people who on that bother about right. Brexit. But anyway, <laughs> the Brexit um, Festival. <laughs> So, okay, there we've, we've done it. There we go. We did it. We've I'm really it. sorry to everyone that's listened this far. I'm not. I'm not sorry. I had a great time. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I did. I would I, see I this. It. I I mean, I would just out of, like, morbid curiosity for- Just to see what would happen. A- every element that seems like it could go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would- Well, uh, unlike you, I would go see it in good faith and truly yeah. hoping that everything succeeds for everyone involved. <laughs> Harrison, if people want to set up a poker night with you, where can they contact you on the interwebs? Oh, please. Um, <laughs> oh, please. Uh, <laughs> please, please set up a poker night with me, although I won't play because I'm awful at the game and I'm a terrible liar. Um, I thought but- it was because you were a Puritan that hated gambling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, as we all know, gambling is evil and is for heathens. Um, but if you, if you wish to, um, hang out with me virtually uh you can find me on twitter at harrison gale who and on instagram at harrison who and of course on the most important social media website letterboxd at harrison gale and also listen to do try this at home do yeah (laughs) do listen to do do try this this pod yeah and you just find us on wherever podcasts are thanks again for coming on for this thank you for having me crossover event yeah um this was so fun jake where can people find you online i had a wreck what was my wreck i can't remember your wreck was like um like having fun and and being friends or something what (laughs) (laughs) i I just can't remember what your wreck was what wait what is that i don't know what that is what having fun and being friends no what is what is a wreck recommendation recommendation (laughs) oh so you like give 
I, okay. Oh, I remember. I remember my recommendation. We, we know, I remember my but we, we okay. did recommend- for like three episodes. We were going to do a recommendation segment, and then we decided it wasn't very good. Um, well, okay. it was because we we record. We don't record quick. We don't put out what we record quickly enough. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's why, basically. <laughs> so um, your rec has to be timeless. Having yeah. fun and making <laughs> friends. Yeah, which is hard. Okay, here's my recommendation, though. Here's my recommendation this week. Okay. Go on Google and search oh David <laughs> Prowl Philosopher. Okay, yeah. so it's David P-R-A-L-L This is Evergreen. Yes. All you need to know, all you need before you search, just know this man was born in 1886 and he died in 1940 and he was a relatively famous philosopher. Okay. Search it on Google and then look at the photo. Yeah. And, this uh, is very funny. This and is Jake, a good, otherwise, Jake a good forfeited giggle. his social media plugs this week for that <laughs> <recommendation>. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you can find you me don't get on them. Twitter and Letterboxd at Jake Reesh. That's J-A-K-E-R-E-E. SH and Caleb, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Caleb Lebster. That's C A L E B L E B S T E R. And also on Do Try This at Home. Uh, season two coming soon. It's going to be real fun. We are Maybe You Like It Productions, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Maybe You Like It, that's with the letter U, or on Facebook at Maybe You Like It Productions, that's with the word U. Or you can drop us an email at info at maybe you like it.co.uk or visit our website at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. And did I miss anything? Oh, you should uh, maybe again, this was a bit of a silly one. If you prefer, if you're like, this is too silly for me, I want serious, listen to other episodes. And then find ones you like. And then when you find one you really like, then just after you've really liked that one, then write a review. And then and only then. then. (laughs) Also, like, what a freak you are for having stuck with this episode this long if you weren't into something silly. (laughs) After we warn you multiple times. (laughs) And now here you are at the end of the episode being like, this isn't what I want. (laughs) Yeah, do that. And then decide whether maybe you liked that maybe you didn't oh i think we should call it a day thank you very much that was a maybe you like it production maybe you liked it maybe you didn't <laughs>